There are two questions that face each of us and all of us. First question is, who am I? The second question is, how should I live my life in light of who I am? Who am I? And how should I live my life in light of who I am? You see, and to answer this question, who are you, is to discover your core identity. And with it, your sense of worth, purpose, and meaning. You see, when you answer this question, you're seeking to search out your core identity of who you really are. And with that comes your sense of of worth, of purpose and meaning. Now, we have generated, right, a culture of self-awareness. I would even say self-absorption, really. But self-awareness, self-discovery, self-help, you know, put self in front of almost anything. But, but that's what we're trying to find out. We're trying to find out, who am I? And bookshelves are overflowing with books that are promising to give us the answer to the question, who am I? And the pop culture propaganda of the world today says, hey, if you want to find the answer to who you are, if you want to discover your core identity, you must look deep within yourself. I want to throw a few quotes up that's come from people that are looking to find their core identity in themselves. So if we could put the first one up. I wish I could show you when you are lonely or in darkness the astonishing light of your own being. Okay. When people believe in themselves, they have the first secret of success. Third one. I almost want to sing this one, but I guess you can't. You are wonderful, valuable, worthwhile, lovable. Not because others think so. Self-worth comes from only one place. Self. Don't these all sound good? There's only one problem with them. They're not true. (laughs) They're not true. They aren't true. They won't hold up in the real world. And and in fact, any attempt to try to root our core identity in myself is doomed to failure. It's doomed to failure. You see, apart from Christ, our identity, our sense of who we are, it's shaped by four things. Shaped by the world. Shaped by our past. It's shaped by the words and actions of others. And it's shaped by Satan himself. Apart from Christ, we will seek to find our core identity. And we will look for it. Think about the world. You know, the world will tell us who they think we are if we listen to the world. See, the world views who we are and measures our worth on the basis of how attractive or intelligent or famous or important or cool or wealthy or successful the world thinks we are. And so how many people are chasing after these things, trying to find their identity and their successes and their wealth and their reputations and prestige and all the other things the world exalts and holds up? Then there's the past. The past will tell us who we are if we listen to it. Think about past traumas, past failures, past mistakes, past injustices, past transgressions against others that you can't forgive yourself for, and past transgressions of others against you that you can't forgive them for. 
Yeah, the past will tell you who you are if you let it. And then the, the words and actions of others, especially the unloving words and unloving actions of others, they will tell us who we are if we listen to them. They can be very unloving words that crush us, that deceive us, that demolish us, that devastate us, that tear us down. They can be words that have been spoken to us 20, 30, 40 years ago and still have an effect on our soul. There can be unloving actions on the part of others, people who sin against us, people who maybe have abandoned us or, or neglected us or abused us or betrayed us. Those, they can leave scars in our soul that only the Lord can heal. And I guarantee you one thing, Satan will gladly tell us who he thinks we are if we listen to him. He'll torment us, deceive us, seduce us, accuse us, condemn us, enslave us, and even devour us if we will let him. See, he wants us to define ourselves not in Christ, but in our own sin. He wants us to see ourselves as slaves to sin and captives of him. And I, I do think that one of the things that I know I have neglected is that I've, I've kind of trying to gain greater sight of Satan's work, trying to discourage and disillusion and destroy, dismay us. So those four things. Can I just say one thing? Consider the source. Consider the source. These things will tell you who they think you are, but consider the source. But the good news, church, is we have another source that we can and should and will turn to. The Word of God. That'll tell us the true answer to who we are. In fact, the Word is saturated with truth about who we were, who we are, and who we are becoming. You know? And it's filled with wonderful truth. Remember the song we sang, In Christ Alone, My Hope is Found. Honestly, shivers are going up my back as I said this. You get up every morning and sing that song to yourself, you're starting the day right. You get up in the morning and, well, I I digress. Yeah. So in today's passage, the Holy Spirit, through Peter, wants to remind us today who believe in Christ two vital truths. The first truth is this. Know who you are because of whose you are in Christ. Know who you are because of whose you are in Christ. And then, two, live in the light of who you are in Christ. That's what I believe this this passage desires to speak to us. The Spirit desires to speak to us. Now, perhaps you're here today and Maybe you've been seeking answers to who you are in yourself or in something or someone, anything other than Christ, you know. Maybe that's where you are today. And maybe you kind of say, I'm ready to tune this in Christ stuff out. I don't buy it. I don't believe it. Can I ask you to keep listening? Hey, you're here. You're sitting down. 
I'm asking you to keep listening, and I want you to listen with these two questions in mind. Who am I? What is my core identity rooted in? If it's not rooted in Christ, then what is it rooted in? And then secondly, who could I be and become if I chose to trust and follow Christ? Who could I be and become if I choose to follow Christ, to trust and follow Him? So that's for, so hopefully we're covering the whole group. So first, know who you are because of whose you are in Christ. I'm going to read 1 Peter 2, 3 to 5, and then 9 to 10. It says, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to Him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you, in verse 9, are a a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's unpack this passage just to tell us who we are in Christ and whose we are in Christ. Because it's so easy to skip over this, right? It's so easy. Let's go to the new stuff. No. Let's steep like a tea bag in tea, getting darker and darker, absorbing more and more of the truth. Let's uncover and discover some very important truths. And I want you to understand that every statement in this passage about who you are is linked to whose you are. In Christ alone, my hope is found. My hope is found in Christ alone. So we see it. So understanding who you are is rooted in understanding whose you are. Never try to separate the two. That's one of the problems we get. We try to separate the two, who we are from whose we are. So let's look at this passage. As you come to Him. Now sometimes we might think, well, I'm going to take credit for that because I came to Him. But we know the truth of the word, don't we? As we were running away from Him, we ran into Him. That's how we came to Him. It was He that drew us. He that orchestrated everything that running away would just bring us right to Him. And so as you come to him, then it talks about living stones. You see, we were once dead, spiritually dead stones, dead to God, dead to things of the Spirit. But now we've been made alive by the indwelling Holy Spirit. We are spiritually alive. Our spiritual DNA has been changed forever. Our spiritual destiny is to be with Him forever. So I see living stones. Then it talks about a spiritual house. If you think about that, hey, guys, see your little living stones? You're all being built together in this little church as part of the house of God where He dwells. I'm always shocked. I mean, I so thank God 
for, for being taught about the importance of the church. See, we're living out here. The living stones together, linked together, mortared together, bonding together as we build this spiritual house all over the globe. So we just see that. It says here we're, we're a chosen race. Remember the Bible says we didn't first choose him, he first chose us. So we've been chosen by him. We've been sovereignly chosen by him in eternity past before the foundation of time. And if we ask, well, why did God choose me? We won't get an answer. It's my sovereign secret. But I did know this. It's more important to know that he chose you as opposed to why he chose you. Anyway, and we are a holy nation, holy in the sense of set apart. Set apart from all of the nations, from all of the peoples. A people for his own possession. A treasured possession. Now we say, oh, we're a treasured possession. Why are we a treasured possession? We're a treasured possession because of the treasure that was paid to purchase us. (laughs) You got that? The precious blood of Jesus Christ purchased us. So we're a treasured possession. Not that there's anything in us that should be treasured other than the price that was paid for us. Amen? Amen. And then he says, we have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, think about a blind man trying to find his way, right? He's trying to find his way. Well, he's just going to hit every wall, every brick, he's going to trip over everything. And then all of a sudden, what happens if his sight was instantaneously restored? And he began to see, truly see, and then order his path accordingly. How amazing that, remember when you were first saved, I don't know about you, remember when the light first hit you? I'm telling you, I'm going one way, and I'm going, uh, and then I start going the other way. That's called repentance. It's a 180 degree swing. Uh, I'm living by myself. Hey, I'm better off living for God. You know, and so we begin to see that we, we, have, we have, he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, and it says we have received mercy. You know, one thing that's unique about mercy, or two things, number one, you can't earn it, and you don't deserve it. You can't earn mercy, you don't deserve it. You deserve just the opposite. You've earned just the opposite. You've earned and deserved justice. And mercy is not, not, it's not injustice, it's non-justice. It's your favor. R.C. Sproul taught me that when I was reading, that, reading a book that he had written. I thought, wow, that's pretty good. So I'll pass it on to you. And then, I, so, so all of a sudden, once you begin, the more we're aware of these truths, then all of a sudden, the way we, remember the quotes I showed you? I want to show them to you again. Then I want to show you how you view them once you've come around. The first one, I wish I could show you when you are lonely or in darkness, the astonishing light of your own being. That changes, if you believe that at all, to this. I wish I could show you when you are lonely or in darkness the astonishing and marvelous light of Jesus Christ, the light into which I have been called. I'm a blind man who's been given sight, and I want to run out to the other blind men and tell them how they can receive sight. To tell a blind man the astonishing light of your own being is to defraud him. Okay. 
When people believe in themselves, they have the first secret of success. Now, when people believe in Jesus Christ, they have the first and the only secret of success. You're wonderful, valuable, worthwhile, lovable. Not because others think so. Self-worth comes from only one place, self. If we look to self to see how wonderful we are, how valuable we are, how worthwhile we are, how lovable we are, we are going to be disappointed, discouraged, devastated every time. But now, change that around. Jesus Christ is infinitely wonderful, infinitely valuable, infinitely worthwhile, infinitely lovely, not because others think so. His worth comes from only one place, himself, who he is. And brothers and sisters, we are in him. Hey, how wonderful do you think of yourself? Well, I really don't think of myself that much anymore, except that I'm in Christ, the wonderful one. And you know what? And you know, one of the temptations I have when I read things like this, there's a part of me that want to go, wants to go, um, yes, but. You got that? Yeah, you know, I, 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 I know that I'm a, I'm a royal priesthood, and, but, but, And so I think a major part of our sanctification is to get us to get rid of the butt. Don't let, and I'm speaking, by the way, I'm preaching to myself. If I don't get anything out of my message that I preach, I don't even come with them. I just go home. (laughs) Don't let the world, the past, look, I'm in the trenches with you. I'm not from some pinnacle. I've I've done all this. I'm, I'm, you know, nah, nah. Don't let the world, the past, the unloving words and actions of others or the enemy tell you who you are. That's not the source you want to go to. The source you want to go to is to let the Word of God tell you who you are. So know who you are because of whose you are. That, that's what I just shared. Remember, I was telling you I was going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. I'll tell you and I'll tell you what I told you. Well, I'll tell you what I told you just now. Know who you are because of whose you are. And then live in the light of who you are. Now, the first thing that I've noticed about trying to live in the light of who I am is to be on guard that I seek my answer to who I am in Christ through the Word. Let me explain that a little bit. You see, all too often we can overlook or easily lose sight of what the Word says to us about who we are. And so rather than rooting our core identity in Christ, we can drift into functionally rooting our core identity, our sense of who we are, into what I have called the golden Jim, the golden Larry, the golden Daryl. A good brother of mine said it years ago, and I went, oh, I can identify with that. He's got me. And you can call it the flesh, the old self. You, you, can, you can put some kind of other thing on it. I like to call it the golden gym because it brings me face to face with who I am. You see, there's a part of us, we want to erect a monument to ourselves. And we want to applaud ourselves. We want, the golden gym. We want to applaud ourselves and have others come alongside and applaud us. And if you don't, pray for me because, you know, there's many, I'm still trying to get, get deal with all that. 
You know, and, and, and here's, what, here's how it works, okay? Here's how I found it works. We all have roles in life, and they're assigned to us by God. See, I'm a believer. I have a role in life assigned to us by God. I'm a believer. I'm a spouse. I'm a parent. I'm a church member. I'm a neighbor. I'm a worker. And the golden gem, that part of me, it craves to be and be perceived as excelling in all my roles. I'm a wonderful believer. I'm a marvelous spouse. I'm a great parent. I'm a, but you know, you, you get the picture. And so, as I try to build that monument to myself, either I better tear it down or God will. I better tear it down or God will. And, I've, I've seen, and God, by the way, he's ruthless and relentless when it comes to tearing down that idol so that you will truly find your identity and worth in Christ alone. So, uh, in fact, just to give you a personal example, um, um, uh, becoming a pastor is a wonderful privilege, but it also has a price. And uh, criticism, gossip, slander unloving speech can have a very negative effect on the golden gym. It's hard to perceive myself as excelling in the role of a pastor when this is coming my way. And I really found, man, if you really want to do damage to the golden gym, go for the reputation. Trash the reputation. And... Um, it's been interesting because, you know, normally you want to think of yourself as, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not really into myself. And then I remember I realized that um, I was preaching somewhere, and I thought the Lord tapped me on the shoulder and says, Jim, what are you trying to do here today with these people? Are you trying to impress them or are you trying to bless them? Because if you're trying to impress them, they won't be. Forget about you try to bless them. And I went, oh, Lord. Another thing when it came to receiving criticism, and I'm talking about, well, you've received it, right? You've gotten some, some pretty harsh stuff, I mean, individually in our lives. I mean, it comes our way. Remember the Lord said, Jim, here's what I want you. Lord, this, how they're saying what they're saying and all they're saying. And like, you know. I, by the way, I don't, I'm very emotional. <laughs> Let me pick that up. There's a good side to that. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I remember God telling me, Jim, you know how I want you, what I want you to do in those situations? I want you to under, seek to understand what I am saying through all that is being said, regardless of how it's being said. I want to, you mean I, I, I can't, I can't strike back? Remember Jesus, my son. He says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Actually, the person that shared that verse with me had a very, was my own wife, was Daryl. Because she was, she was going through a Bible study on 1 Peter. And she came across this. She said, Jim, you, you might want to take a look at this. And I said, wow. So it just shows how we need to be alert to those areas 
where we want to root our identity, our core identity, in something or someone other than Christ because it will disappoint. And so the, the, the thing we do is first we be on guard. You know, we've we got to be on guard. We've got we to be open to the Spirit's teaching. Then the other thing we need to do is we need to, to daily remind ourselves and then each other. I don't know about you, but I'm not too good at daily reminding myself about who I am in Christ. But if I'm in a church of people who are committed to doing the same and reminding me, I'm in a good place. Who want to build me up. Who want to remind me of who I am. Who want to seek to have me define myself, not by my, foil, my, uh, my fallenness, my fables, my foibles, whatever it is. Not define myself by my not yet side. But define myself by what the Word says about me and who I am in Christ. And so we need to do that daily. Um, and some of the ways we do that, I, I'm just going to point, I mean, I, I, I'm just going to point to a few passages. In fact, I think we shared one of them this morning, which was kind of neat. Yeah, Romans 8, 28 to uh, 39 is, is a good place to go, isn't it? You know, it's a wonderful place to go. We need to, again, steep into that, soak, let that soak in. Here's Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. Here's Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. And then there's 1 Peter 2, 1 to 13. That's just a few. I'll repeat them again. Romans 8, 28 to 39. Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. And Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. Actually, remember the prayer that was prayed. That I just, I just I want to remind you of the love of Christ. Remember that? Think about it. Think about how you're loved in Christ. Think about whose you are and how much he loves you. See, when we were, again, when we're worshiping God, as we focus on those words, oh my goodness, it talks about who he is, who we were, who we are, who we're becoming, and all shrouded in whose we are. And so that, I don't know, but I, after every worship, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm good, man. I'm going. I'm all right. So now, so good. And so we want to be on guard. We want to daily remind ourselves and each other about who we are in Christ. And then we want to live life each day in light of who we are. Now, how do we do this? Well, 1 Peter 2, 1 to 2, the first two verses of Peter and the last two verses of Peter tell us how to live in light of who we are. I call it a scripture sandwich. You got the imperative at the beginning, the indicative in the middle, and the imperative at the end. And if you don't follow that, don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, it, it, it says, here's what you do, but what you do is not based on you got to do this. It's based on, here's, because here's who you are. And let me tell you a little bit more about what you do. So, what you do, you know, who you are, what you do. That, that's how it, that nice Oreo cookie, if you like that illustration better. And so we want to live each life, each day, in light of who we are in Christ. So here's how we do this. 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2. By the way, these are just, this is, this is um, not exhaustive. It's just an illustration, or it's just part of it. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation. 
Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, abstain from passions of the flesh, which wage war against the soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Now, there's a lifetime of doing this. Put away all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, all slander. That doesn't happen overnight. But as we grow in our understanding of who we are and whose we are, we are equipped, envisioned, and empowered to live like who we are. Abstain from the passions of the flesh. Long for that pure spiritual work. Grow in the knowledge of who you are and whose you are. Keep your conduct honorable. Let your good deeds be evident to all. Even when they're reviling you, let it be evident. Let your life reflect who you are and whose you are, not who you were. Amen? Amen. So I want to close. I want to ask two questions. And I want to use this passage in Peter to ask these two questions. 1 Peter 2, 6-8. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the stumbling stone, the, the, uh, the stumbling stone a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. I think this, as we close, there's two questions to ask yourself. Who am I? Who are you? And are you living like who you are? And when you look at this, to answer the question who you are, you have to answer the question whose you are. You have to answer the question, who is Jesus to me? Who is Jesus to me? Is he the cornerstone or is he the stumbling stone? Huge. You see, I've I've seen that happen. You see, that rock of offense, the stone of stumbling, you try to avoid and walk around. You know, I'll give you you an example. Oh, you know, I, I believe Jesus was a good man. Real good example, a role model for us to follow. But come on, I don't believe Jesus was God. Or Jesus is God. Oh, you know what? Uh, I think I'm a good enough person to get into heaven. I think the, the good outweighs the bad. Also, I think God's such a loving God, he would never really send me to hell. Right? He's a loving God and, and I deserve it. Rather than, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Consider the source. That ain't in the Bible. We look to Jesus as our Savior. We, he's the only one who can save us from our sins. He's the only one who can pay the price for us and secure for us God's favor. Maybe, oh, he's a great teacher. But you stumble over and you reject the truth. No, yeah, he's a great teacher. He's also your Lord. He's the Lord of your life. You are no longer live your life on your terms. You live your life on your Lord's terms, as stated in the Word. So we're all building our lives on something, aren't we? 
What are you building your life upon? And if you're building your life on yourself or anyone or anything other than Christ, the cornerstone, what you are building has either already collapsed or will certainly one day collapse. He is the only sure foundation. He is the rock. Everything else is shifting sand. So I want to implore you, if this is you, please stop stumbling over Christ and start building on Christ. And if you would like to start building on Christ today, you say, Jim, that's me. I want to start building on Christ today. Please come to see me or one of the leaders or even one of the members of this church. It'll be our privilege and pleasure to share the glorious good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with you and so that Christ will become the cornerstone of your life. And then we want to help you get started to build this new life on Christ. That's what happened to me. That's what happened to my my wife. Boy, we went, boom, we want to build our life on the cornerstone and we need lots of help. And we got it. Thank you, Jesus, for the church. And so, now for those of us who have paid, you know, we see Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. Okay? We see him as the cornerstone. I want to pray this prayer for us as I close. Father, uh, first, Lord, I I thank you that you opened our blind eyes, you opened our deaf ears, you opened our dead hearts to see you as the cornerstone of our faith. Lord, we cannot, we are astounded. We are amazed by your amazing grace and your staggering mercy. But Lord, help us to daily grow in the knowledge of who we are and whose we are in Christ. And Lord, help us so our lives will increasingly reflect who we are in Christ. And Lord, help us to celebrate and proclaim the unfathomable riches and excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Transform our hearts. Grow us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen.